the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week we're looking at the business of sport and I'm joined in studio by my co-host Michael O'Keefe. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you very much, Kieran. Now, Michael, we have to offer our congratulations to you. You are finally an All-Ireland winner. After all of those years toiling in the Dublin shirt at senior inter-county level, unfortunately they were the fallow years of Dublin football. Not your fault, Michael, not your fault. But last weekend in the depths of County Longford on a beautiful Saturday afternoon... You togged out for the Dublin Masters and beat Tyrone in the final. Tell us all about yes, it. Yes, and approaching my top weight as well, which is which is always interesting. But yeah, no, it's a very it was brilliant. It was Dublin's first time playing in the Masters, which is over forties, just about eligible. Just want to put that on the record as oh, well. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, great fun. And look, there's look, it's it's brilliant to give you something to, to aim for. And and you uh, scored. I, I got one, yes. One so, point, okay. As I was saying to you off air, they, they start all the fit lads and then roll a few of ourselves in with, with a few minutes to go for the end of the half. Um, but yeah, no, it's a brilliant competition and, and um, not officially sanctioned by the GA yet, but um, 16 teams played this year and we beat Tyrone um, in a final probably sick of the side of Dublin now at this stage in a, in a really good game actually um, in the depths of Longford as you rightfully said. But uh, no, it is great and look, there's other benefits to it. It keeps fellas active and, and that kind of stuff as well. So there's a a good health benefit to it as well, you know. Good, and you were also saying off air that it might actually be welcomed into the officially welcomed into the GA family next year. Yeah, so I think there's a process ongoing where um, the Fergal McGill and the GA is is discussing how to bring it in. I I understand there was disciplinary issues. A couple of lads taken out old old yeah. historical legacy. Uh, well, that happens uh, in regular GA as well as we've uh, as we've seen with Sean Kavanagh over 35 soccer as well. And 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 I think it's um, I think it'd be in everyone's interest if um, the the association did sanction up the GA is enough competition and logistically it's sure. always tricky but um, I, I think it's a great competition and I think it'd be brilliant I think from a, a GA participation perspective it's been a bit of a gap having um, older guys been able to play a social sport now it wasn't all that social at times but uh, been able to, to keep playing well into their 40s you know and some, right. some lads are in their 50s Well maybe Croke Park uh, beckons in the years ahead for those uh, participating anyway congratulations Thanks a million yeah, thank you uh, Ok let's move to our, our roundup, and we're going to start with Nike uh, who are celebrating a 30th anniversary of their Just Do It campaign now. Nike's a company that divides opinions. Some people love it, some people loathe it. Um, but they, they brought on board uh, Colin Kaepernick as the face of their campaign and that's uh, proved quite controversial. Let's just have a little uh, listen to a clip from the ad. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. If you have only one hand... Don't now Mick, why, why has this been controversial? Well, look, it's 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 been one of the dominant things in, in in sports business over the last few weeks, and you know Nike, as you say, you know either extremely cynical or the masters of of marketing and, and brand. Um, they stuck their neck out in this one in a big way. So, Colin Colin uh, Kaepernick, as you said, was the the man who led the the, the protests, um, you know, to raise awareness of, of of what was deemed police brutality. And he's a controversial figure himself in the US, isn't he? He is, and he's he divides opinion too, very much down the middle. And and it's it was a big call by by Nike to go with this, and he he you know Donald Trump. Himself has come out and others have come out and he's called on NFL owners to, to suspend players without pay. He's lost his job. He's currently out of out of work. Um, and, you know, uh, Nike unveiled this new ad campaign. He's saying mm-hmm. the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign um, before the start of the season. Um, it's kind of varied wildly, the, the, the opinion and the, and the reaction um, since then. 
Mm. Okay, are you a Nike man or Adidas or Puma? Come on, man. I loved them all, Karen. I told you that. Um, I would, I would have been a, a, a three stripes man growing up, um, and I wear the Puma Kings. But um, Neils, O'Neils, and O'Neils, obviously, of course, and Under Armour and everyone else. But the um, it, it was interesting the, the reaction because look, it, it is big business, and and um, you know, I, I heard it on Morning Ireland. All the newspapers here covered it, so they got massive media exposure. But the immediate aftermath was quite negative, um, and the share price was was got got a significant. Uh, thump but um, since then it's actually up to a record high so coming back to our our, our original point um, you know Nike are quite clever they obviously knew what they were doing here um, and their online sales and everything have gone up usually since Well people are talking about it so I suppose from an advertising point of view and a marketing point of view um, that's uh, it's, it's mission accomplished yeah, and, and it, it, it needs to play out. Um, and, you know, I'd say they were probably nervous when the initial reaction came in because it was quite negative. Share price dropped um, and now it's up to a high of $83, $83.47, I think. So um, all in, a very successful day's work by, by, by Nike. Yeah, OK. All right, back to Gaelic Games. And there was another All-Ireland final on last weekend at Croke Park. Uh, the ladies' uh, Gaelic football final. There were actually three finals on the day. The uh, senior one was between Dublin and Cork. Dublin winning against the two in a row. And a very big crowd, a record crowd turning out for it. Yeah, and look, you know, women's sport in Ireland, I think, is, has had a, a, a huge year. You know, the women's hockey team. Um, Sunita Puspuri, uh, yeah, of course, do- winning gold at the World Rowing Championship. Quite dominant uh, in, her, in her. In her. Yeah, that was last Sunday as well. <laughs> and um, and women's football has kind of been the, the flag bearer for, mm. for women's sport in Ireland. Women's soccer, obviously, has had a, a really good few years. And women's rugby also have had, albeit... It's some been issues. a huge jump in numbers, hasn't it? There has. From a low base. And it is from a low base. And I, and I think, look, I, I was involved in ladies' football back in 2002 and three, and they were looking at how could they break a 20,000 was the big psychological barrier. Um, I thought they were very brave to come out this year and say 50,000 because you should just give yourself a, a big stick to beat with if you don't get there. But they broke the 50,000. I was at it. There was 50,000. Mm, I was there myself, yeah. It was brilliant. And it's great to see. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, they have this, you know, if you, if you see it, you can be it. And I think they're creating a whole generation of, of new superstars for for young girls mm. to look up to and yeah. boys to look up to as well which is great There are cynics out there about ladies uh, football Mick, let's yeah. be honest about it that you know it lacks the intensity of the men's game and that you go to a final and it's just just a bunch of screaming kids or young yeah. girls uh, etc and again you don't get that at the men's final you get real sort of GA people at the at the men's final where do you stand on that? Well, I, I, It's a different day out like I, I went by Gaffney's on the way in and there was about two people having a pint outside when you go to the men's yeah. game it's a different crowd I think people use it It's it more as, family based isn't It's it? a family day and I, I think people use it as an opportunity to bring the kids to Crow Park where you wouldn't get a ticket or you wouldn't bring them to a, to a match for where you know an All-Ireland final or an All-Ireland semi-final so it's, it is a different crowd they bus kids in from everywhere but it's it's a it, it's a brilliant experience and it's a great day out um, and I think they've found something now I think the calendar changing with the GA so it's the third Sunday in September now it falls on it gives you a better opportunity for good weather which which makes a huge difference. Mm. I've also been very fortunate with their sponsors haven't they because Lidl have really put their yeah. shoulder to the wheel in promoting the game. They have and, and look LGFA have been quite um, the Ladies Football Association have been quite um, forward thinking themselves they brought in things like pick up off the ground you know the buzzer they haven't just completely aped the men's game which happens in other sports where they've actually tailored the game to suit the physiology of women um, and, and they've put in a few innovations which makes it slightly different. Yeah. Dublin is phenomenally successful now um, the danger might be that Dublin and Cork become so successful and so good that other teams are going to have, yeah they're going to have to catch up like you talk about a two and three tier in, in, in men's and a lot of internal strife in Mayo yeah. we've seen that over the last uh, few days yeah which is which is hugely disappointing and, and you know um, you know, you mentioned all the positivity that the likes of Lidl and Tisha Carr have brought and this huge attendance and then the same week you've got players in protest it happens in the men's game it happens in the women's game um, I think it's been poorly handled 
um, I think what you're seeing is a self implosion and it's a pity because Mayo are one of those teams that could compete with Dublin and Cork at that high level um, and it's going to have to play out it's difficult to see how it's going to play out without uh, huge uh, acrimonious uh, fallout and animosity going into the future you can't see how they're all just going to hug and make up and everyone's going to be friends very quickly because they've all put themselves in a very entrenched position which, yeah, is, which, is, which is not great yeah. yeah well I suppose it's a sign of uh, of the fact that it's becoming more organised and more serious and you know I know it's an amateur sport but more professional in many ways that, that we're having these uh, no, but you know it's right but it, and you look your your comments are spot on like you know there there are people who say that the game isn't as intense it's not it, but it's it's catching up and it, the spectacle on the weekend I thought was actually a very good game um, you know okay there are certain things and, and you know um, balls dropping in over in keepers heads and stuff like that you know and, and that's something that, that happens in late football the odd time but Sinead Feeling used to work in our office would say she's crying out for the day where somebody slates a game of ladies football because then she knows that everyone's on a par you know that there's not this token it's not every game of ladies football is That's great true. The men's not every game of men's football is great either That's true Okay Now uh, across the uh, across the uh, channel um, English rugby is in takeover talks which is very interesting we should just say in Ireland of course uh, the four provinces which operated at the professional level at the elite level of the sport they're owned by the IRFU mm. uh, but in England it's a much different scenario it's almost a bit like uh, the, the Premier League in soccer um, It is and, and actually when we looked into this a bit more um the clubs themselves own all of the of the league, um, which makes it quite difficult for the England national team because they have to negotiate on a peer-to-peer basis with the clubs. Whereas in Ireland, the RFU dictate player rotation, they dictate um, you know the, the the squad rotation and who they can and can't cannot sign. You, what you have is almost like a League of Ireland on steroids in the Premier League Premiership I should say in, in the UK in rugby um, where there's a lot of private ownership mm. um, There's a lot of debt in the clubs Huge debt and, and I was surprised to see this that you know nearly all the clubs um, bar one posted losses last year mm. um, but you know, obviously there is interest there's a, a Luxembourg based former owners of, of F1 coming in and they put a lot of money on the table um, it's been rejected it, it would strike me looking at this that this is a negotiation that's not going to go away it's just the first step <clears throat> yeah it, it would seem that way so the, the challenge is how much do you sell um, before you lose control um, the, the the equity company coming in and looking for a 51% stake which is going to give the majority control the clubs don't want what would prefer a minority shareholder to come in um, so, so what will this mean for English rugby and let's say the availability of players to the English national team well at the moment you've got private owners and they have negotiation with the players The player, they're compensated when the players leave um, I think it's probably going to make it more difficult you're going to have a completely different owner more uh, compensation I, I potentially more difficulty getting access to players potentially and ultimately it comes down to money there has been talk of a US t- uh, franchise coming into the English pre- um, Premiership as well um, I think what it does show is that the Irish model is heavily stacked in favour of the national team and that we have probably the best model in place and the French and English clubs look at us with envy because mm. the well, New Zealand have a pretty good model as well well they do obviously but if you if you look at it look Australia's in disarray um, the English players are, are have to play every game whereas you know the RFU can dictate to, to Leinster and others how many games Johnny Sexton plays when he plays when he doesn't play in order to ensure that he's maximum rest and peaking when he plays for I wasn't constant is because Johnny Sexton didn't play a lot of Pro <clears throat> 14 last season no he didn't and you know you're a Leinster fan you want to see him play as much as you, you possibly can but you you know you'd look at him 
you know, he was knackered at the end of last year. He, he, how he performed the way he did in the Australian tests after the season that he had was a, was a miracle. Mm-hmm. You know, for that guy to get a rest now and to start the season late is absolutely the right thing for him from a from his body perspective to get himself right with a view to 2019 World Cup in September. And a few years ago, Mick, there were some money bags owners coming into the game in England and yeah. France and we worried about whether the likes of Munster and Leinster, Connacht also will be able to compete on the same level because they just don't have the same deep pockets and there was a lot of chatter about possibly private investors having to yeah. come on board. Has that gone away now? No, it's, it hasn't and, and you know, it, it goes in cycles and you have these French billionaires and there's a German billionaire owner now of, of um, Stade Francais um, and they control endless amounts of money. Now, but money, you know, doesn't necessarily mean success. Um, you look at Toulon now are struggling um, Stade Francais are obviously coming back but just because you have a billionaire owner doesn't necessarily mean you've got the right culture and the right team for the, to, to go forward there was a couple of years ago where the Irish clubs were cribbing about an unfair level playing field I thought it was a little bit disingenuous by the Irish provinces considering all the advantages that, that we have um, from, a, from a playing perspective as well Yeah and of course Leinster uh, showed <coughs> last year by winning the uh, exactly. European Cup that you can't compete Alright Mick uh, we're going to leave it there for now we're going to take a short break when we return we'll be joined in studio by Peter McKenna Commercial Director of GA who'll be looking back on the season just gone. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. You can subscribe to this podcast for free in iTunes and it's also available on our website irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. Now this week we're looking at the business of sport and I'm joined in studio by my co-host Michael O'Keefe of Teneo PSG and we're also joined in studio by Peter McKenna, Commercial Director of the GAA. Peter, uh, you're very welcome to Inside Business and thanks for coming into the studio. It's been another busy year for the GAA. Uh, the season just uh, finished, if you like, all the All-Ireland finals done and dusted. You even had a, a visit from the Pope to Croke Park. So just uh, outlined to us last year, revenues for the GA what, 65 million euro and I think 8 million uh, contribution from Croke Park. So just tell us about 2018, how that's going to shape up. Are you going to improve on that for, uh, you know, for the full year accounts? Yeah, it will be there, thereabouts. It's, it's. Uh, I would say, not much change on the um, on last year. Now we still have to go through audit, and mm. you know our year end is not till the end of October. But um, uh, as, you, as you rightly say, all of our big games are over in Grove Park. Um, all of the concerts are over. So you know the the figures that we'll post this year will be about the same as last year. There, there, so right. yeah. How much of that sixty five million actually percolates down to the clubs, down to grassroots level, if you like? We maintain it's about eighty six percent. Uh, which is a phenomenal achievement. I mean, if you look at any any charity in the country, they'd probably be very, very happy with a uh, 70% percolation, for want of a phrase. Um, so we see ourselves as one of the highest distributors of... Um, okay, I'm just doing some mental maths uh, here. So I, I reckon about 10 million um, is the other 14%. So you're looking at, what, about 55 million there or thereabouts? Actually goes goes down to grassroots or, or down to club level? Yeah, at least. I think you're looking at, um, you, you know, we, we talked earlier the, the, this morning about uh, Cork. I mean, that's a, that's a huge investment that the association has supported. Yeah. Um, you're looking at other grounds around the country, um, you know, smaller developments, say in Longford. Um, new development's going to happen in, in Waterford and Wexford. Um, so then there you have a whole raft of games development officers who are based all over the country. Mm. I mean, the, the costs associated with that are, are included. How many? Um, I don't have the figure for you. No, um, I mean it's it's. This is an area that's it's, it's probably uh, more to um, Tom Ryan or Pat 
Pat, Pat Daly would be able to give you more detailed figures there. Right, OK. And there has been a lot of focus this year on attendances and particularly in Croke Park for some of the big matches. And if you look at the attendance for this All-Ireland semi-final featuring um, Dublin and, and Galway, uh, I think it was around 54,000 thereabouts. Uh, previously, Dublin used to fill out on All-Ireland semi-final day. And some people questioning whether maybe, you know, uh, the dominance of the dubs over recent years has stated the appetite for a lot of fans, whether they're saving themselves for the All-Ireland final or, I don't know, maybe there's some issues with pricing. There were a lot more games this year because of the Super 8 uh, structure, etc. What's your view on it, and how are you going to tackle that challenge in the years ahead? Well, I think any any change brings um, you, you know brings uh, lots of questions and 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 so on. I mean, I think the um, on balance, I think everyone was very happy the way the the, the championship has uh, set itself out. It, it, hurling in particular has really benefited from the, mm. from the additional games. Um, I think whenever you get a dominant team, they're there to be beaten, um, and you see it in all sports. I mean, they, um, everyone wants to beat Brazil, um, and then Germany go and do it six-one or some like a phenomenal score. Everyone wants to beat the All Blacks, um, and then South Africa do it by you know uh, two points. So um, everyone wants to beat Dublin. I think uh, the better they are, the better for the game. I mean, that's um, just so all standards rise on that on that basis. Um, but yeah, there's. When, when you do put a change into into a championship like we've done with the introduction of the Super 8s and then t- reducing the, the timeline to, you know, free up more time for, for club players and um, that that will have an impact. Um, now, as to what that is and the positives and negatives, there, there needs a lot, of, um, a lot of kind of thought, time and consideration into it and that will happen in the closed season. And Peter, can you explain the breakdown of the, the 65? Um, it's my understanding that Fifty percent of that income comes from from gate receipts, which is huge in in terms of, and and it's kind of lessens the reliance on other revenue streams, particularly government funding and stuff like that. Um, can you explain to us the commercial um, revenue and 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 the breakdown in terms of the model that you have on the sponsorship side and the and the broadcast? And I think in in the figures, it's in around just under twenty million, and how that works. Yeah, so the gate receipts move, you know, from about fifty to sixty percent, depending on the the year that's in it. You'll have years with replays and various other things, and that that that, that can move between those those, those two um, limits, as it were. Um, then the the big bulk of the the balance would be on sponsorship and um, TV income, TV media rights, and Crow Park, of course. Then we get a small contribution from from government to to run the games, um, which is very welcome. Mm. The so our sponsorship model, um, we changed that um, a number of years ago from a single sponsor uh, to a multi-sponsor model. And then we, um, so that, that's working well. And, you know, uh, our sponsors are all renewing. And um, so we have, a, we have a full deck or a full house, as it were. And um, the reaction that we're getting is very positive. I think each one of them is carving out their own niche and, and doing very well. And I think it's... Um, um, you know, there are agencies, companies like uh, Tenio and others who are who are focusing in how best to to maximise that connection with the association. Um, you know, they they they're very very creative. I mean, we you would have seen you know with AIB they've done some really interesting things, probably as as good as anything Fulcher Ireland have done with their Jeff and Cami videos last year, and and they've linked very very well their sponsorship of the the championship with the sponsorship of the club with the hashtag toughest. Um, 
Electric Ireland, they've done a, a, a tremendous job by you know focusing on the minor by saying it's, it's, it's not a minor competition. This is major for for young lads in that um, transition of adolescence. That's a, that's a very important step. And I think they've they've married exactly what it, what it feels like to be um, sixteen and seventeen and and be in that kind of like um, hormonal kind of like blitz that uh, that young lads are in. No, I don't want to you know uh, name check everybody, sure. but I mean um, others like uh, Musgrove through Centra and um, and SuperValue, they've carved out a niche in, in, in ticket sales. So we, we sell a huge millions of tickets through the um, uh, the Centra stores and um, SuperValue stores all over the country. So that's a partnership that works very well, and we get all of that branding and publicity in the stores when we're when tickets are off for sale. And in terms of, of broadcast rights, like it's it's a very different marketplace than it was when you started out. Obviously, and there's a whole plethora of, of of providers now. Obviously, Air Sport, you've got Virgin, you've got no, not Utah, but they're they're there. They exist. Sky Sports, obviously, or Teach. So there's multiple platforms. Um, is it a challenge, I suppose, from from your perspective, to to ensure that the GA gets as much coverage as possible, but maybe not too much exposure? And when you come to approaching things like broadcast rights. Um, the, the balance between free air and, and and pay-per-view and what, what's what's your view on that? Yeah, it's it is um, it's a balancing act. What you want to do is get um, the, the the maximum number of um, eyeballs, well, people watching you, but equally you want to maximise your your revenue because you know as you said, eighty six percent of that goes goes right through the organisation and it's it's an important investment channel for us. Um, we're also very conscious of supporting the Irish language, and I think pound for pound, TG Carrot do a phenomenal job. Um, and then we have a lot of product, so the um, the leagues work very well for us, and we have um, some on air, some on and TG Carrot works very well. Um, the championship, some on Sky, some on RTE, and that works well too. All of our radio is centralised with RTE. I think that that works well, and it's probably the medium that has held up the best in in, in the whole churn that's happened in the last maybe um, five, ten years in the in the media landscape. Can I just ask you, sorry, just about this guy uh, broadcast, right? Because it's very controversial. A lot of GA traditionalists don't like the fact that games are being showing on pay t- TV with Sky. They feel that they should be uh, free to air, Peter. And um, you know. How is this actually working for you? Because how many eyeballs, for example, does a Sky match get compared to an RTE match? And is it really worth, is it worth the hassle for the GAA to have a deal with Sky when there's so much opposition within the GAA's own ranks? Well, I think you've got to look at that in, in a number of different perspectives. So the first perspective is that um, um, Sky do contribute um, um, a substantial amount. And as you said, 86% of that is is put through the organisation. So, first question you'd say to to those who are you know knocking the arrangement is what part of our investment should we pull back on? Should we pull back on game development officers? Should we pull back on um, you know infrastructure? Or, or what, what we need to pull back because you you kind of run yourself into debt. Sure, on the back but if of you it. if you didn't have just, just to, 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 yeah. to follow it, I mean, I think what Sky introduced and is important in all markets is competition, so that um, the if we were just reliant on RTE, I, I think that the output would become tired, and um, you know people would, without competition, tend to you know to take a, a line of least resistance. But when you have another competitor down in the marketplace, and it's the same as uh, as yourselves in the, in the newspaper business, um, competition lifts everybody's game. And I, th- I think the introduction of Sky has certainly lifted the quality of the output across all of our, all of our platforms. From our point of view, too, we have 400 clubs internationally. It's very important to us that we provide um, uh, coverage for them. Now, 
In the main, that comes through our joint venture with RT, GA, Go, where we stream now to 184 countries, yeah, which is phenomenal. Well. Very, very well. Very yeah. profitable company. Um, probably in more outlets than Starbucks. Yeah. If you didn't have Sky, though, I mean, what would the GA lose lose out financially? Because you had TV3 beforehand, didn't you? And it's now Virgin Media has been rebranded recently. Yeah. as and a Virgin fantastic Media. job they've done there. Sure. Uh, so let's say you had Virgin Media instead of Sky. I mean, what would the financial hit be to the GA? Well, we don't break down our numbers I mean, because that is um, that is commercially sensitive. Uh, I mean, we live in a very, very small pool. We don't have the, the same opportunities as the, um, say, other sports in the country, the other large sports who, who do all of their media rights by pool negotiation. Um, so the FEI pool their resorts and they, they negotiate centrally, as is the IRFU. So we have to stand on our, our own two feet on that one. Therefore, I'd be reluctant to give you the specifics of it. But um, Sky are generous in their, in their contribution and we use that money well. Peter, can I, can I ask you, so, <clears throat> there's been a noticeable trend in the last year or two um, where the GA is, is, is putting out a lot of clips and highlights and the content in the social media has, has really progressed in the, in the last number of years. Is there a, a time and a place where when you look at what's happening around the world where the GA might push out some content on its own channels like maybe five, six, seven years down the line? Or, or, or less than that. I mean, we're certainly looking at maybe putting out some games next year on GA Now. Um, we looked at a bit that this year just to see was, what was that possible and what technically is, is, is there. I mean, the whole media landscape is changing tremendously. I mean, we talked here earlier. I mean, um, I read the Irish Times every day, but God bless I don't you. buy the paper. <laughs> you know, I, I read it online, and it's it's a tremendous service. Um, it really is. But you have made that transition mm. into into the online world. We've got to make that transition too. I mean, I'm not certain sure that um, broadcasting as we know it today will be the same in ten years' time. So we need to be ready to be able to broadcast ourselves, to stream ourselves, and 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 put ourselves into that space. Younger people are not interested in large sit-downs and watching. They're far more into the, the bite-sized piece. So we found our um, our clip service with uh, GA Now is very, very successful. I mean, we have got millions and millions of downloads. I kid you not, it's, it's quite extraordinary how, how successful that has been for us. Um, GA Go, we talked about, is going very well internationally. Um, so that this whole landscape is changing. We need to be at the forefront of it. And it's not something we're doing new to ourselves. I mean, um, Wimbledon, for example, take all of their content and push that out as they see best. And other sports are moving in that space. And just moving on to the, the stadia itself, um, and can you explain to people who mightn't be necessarily up, up to speed on this, how the relationship between the GA and Crow Park works and the hotel and, and the various different revenue streams and the museum and the, the, the skyline and all that kind of stuff. Can you explain how that works and the different companies that, that, that sit within that? Yeah, so we have a, a number of different companies and I be responsible for, for some of them and I report to um, a master board of directors, as it were, and then another is um, report directly into the, to the association. It works because we have a great team and, we, you know, that, that, that team is... Um, is very, very collegiate. It, it couldn't happen otherwise because it is a small number of people. So the um, the hotel is an asset and that asset is held in a, in a property company. Uh, Crow Park is a company that has a P&L and we get revenue from matches. We run a very, very successful conference business. So there's there's a whole, yeah, you know, rhythm to that as, 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 a, 
as a super hotel in in in, in one sense, um, and that that business goes well. The museum is run by its own board of directors, and it is primarily there to um, have a facility to promote the games and promote what is um, the social history of the GA as it relates to uh, to Ireland. Um, we have with Skyline and the Stadium Tours a mechanism to so that the the museum washes it washes its face and becomes um, self financing. So there's not a drain drain on resources. Very very few sports have. You know, a focus on a museum. Probably you're looking at the MCG, probably Wimbledon tennis and ourselves. So it's it's not something that when a game is over, guys say that was it and they move on. The recording and keeping of it is not is not um, that archiving is not a big part part of it. Um, so really, that's it. It's it's um, it's a lot of fun, and it's um, I really enjoy it. You know, it strikes me, Peter, that the stadium uh, it was probably the early '90s when the whole redevelopment uh, kicked off. So the Cusick Stand, for example, is probably what twenty years, maybe a, a oh, bit more yeah. older. Yeah, you got to keep updating um, stadiums, otherwise they, um, you know, you fall behind. Uh, other stadiums around mm-hmm. Europe will will overtake you. So just wondering about, let's say, looking out over the next five or six years. What innovations or uh, what changes you might be looking at for Croke Park? We're certainly going to invest in technology. So um, our Wi-Fi system is is, is now established and uh, they'll be accentuated with a, a distributed aerial system, a, a DAS system, as it were, so we'll have signal right around the stadium. Um, that'll be commissioned in the next couple of weeks, actually, which, which, which is good. Um, I think the... There's a, there's a big move on fan engagement, and um, our sport, like some other sports, has has a rapid turnover of scores. So what you don't want is people with eyes down; you want them with eyes up. I think the real basics of fan engagement, like um, you know, stewards who are friendly and courteous, and bathrooms that are clean, and food that is wholesome, and places that are clean, and seats that are dry, that's the important part of fan engagement. The other things augment the experience. So. You know, if you're sitting in Croke Park for a league match and you don't know what the scores are in other games, it's good to get that using the big screen to show replays or getting information about players or players' profiles and stuff like that, almost like getting the match program um, um, delivered directly to your phone. Those type of things are um, is where I see fan engagement being. I think there's a lot of investment that's happened in the States in, in getting this, um, get your burger to your seat, mm. get your can of Coke to your seat. They haven't been successful. I mean, guys are just not using them. I mean, you can see. I mean, could you imagine walking down an aisle and you're saying, "Well, you passed the burger into that guy in the middle of the seat?" Yeah. You know, what's a lot of GA fans <laughs> tend to bring, especially for championship matches, tend to bring their own sandwiches and so on, <laughs> and their copy of the Irish Times. Yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just let's talk about Dublin uh, maybe for a moment, because obviously um, the Dublin football team on a huge uh, run of success, six of the last eight All Ireland. Uh, the ladies uh, won there last weekend as well. Even mixed uh, team in the Masters won the All Ireland. So there, there's a, a great momentum behind Dublin and obviously the investment that's been put into Dublin GA over the past sort of 10 to 15 years uh, by the GA and by the government, uh, etc. has paid a dividend. But lots of concerns that uh, this uh, sort of Dublin uh, steam train, if, if you like, is on a runaway course and it's going to leave everyone else behind. And Dublin has huge commercial pulling power. And there have been calls for some of that commercial uh, income to be shared with other counties. I mean, in terms of the GA and your thinking on, on this, um, uh, would, would that be the right course to go? Is that something that the GA is actively looking at? Well, it's not really my my, my space, but um, by, by by way of uh, opinion, I guess, um, Mossy Quinn does a tremendous job. I mean, he's um, 
this is that's a very very competitive market. Um, you know the the difficulties you have in, in in pushing one county over all the other counties is that you're you're creating almost a, a partisan relationship. So very very difficult to talk to a car company to say like support support Dublin because are you going to exclude all the other counties? So we have maybe a slightly different offering when we're talking about getting involved with the GA in its entirety. So Dublin do a good job there. Um, Mossy's on the commercial side with he is, yeah. Dublin. Yeah, and he, he, he's a former he, uh, Dublin senior. Yeah, yeah he, he heads up the commercial side. Um, I, I think when you see like um, a team doing very well, it, it's for others to to try and knock them off the pedestal rather than criticise them. Um, I mean, it is, um, it's taken them a while to be here. Um, I think we would have had the same argument about Kilkenny a number of years ago saying, listen, I mean, they don't play football, it's outrageous, and this, they're killing the game and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, the tables turn. And even with someone as genius as Brian Cody, they, they're still going to now um, struggle to get an All-Ireland in the next couple of years. But that is that is sport. I mean, it's the, the wonderful thing that we said earlier about, I mean, teams want to beat the best, not a version of the best. So I, 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 I think we should hold fire making any kind of dramatic changes there. You know, this like divide Dublin into three or to four or to five, whatever it is. I, I, I don't think that's part of the fabric of what we're about. But just on, on, on the stadium as well and, and, and the experience and, um, you know, that we've seen heightened security, obviously, and, and, and for obvious reasons. And, and But on the, the moving to a cashless stadium, you and I discussed this before. Mm-hmm. Is there a view that perhaps that might be something the GA will consider for big match days? And, and what might that do for, for Crow Park from a revenue perspective? Yeah, cash is very expensive. I mean, you have to buy it. I mean, this sounds weird, but um, in order to have change in tills, you've got to buy the change and then you've got to um, pay it to be taken away and counted. And then so uh, cash has a, has a big percentage cost associated with it. Then there's, there's leakage and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not always that accurate. Um, so cashless is absolutely the way forward. And, um, you know, part of our rationale for putting in an enhanced Wi-Fi and an enhanced DAS system across the stadium is to facilitate that type of um, activity. Very, very struck when you go to the go to London now, you can get the tube with your credit card, yeah, yeah. just tap and go and you're on. Very, very convenient. You're not foosting around trying to get sterling out and, and whatever. So it is the way, the pattern where things are going. And um, what we don't want to do is alienate a whole raft of supporters who may not be familiar with the technology or have a card or something like that. So Try and do it gradually, but it's inevitable this will happen. And just on, on the, look, we've all been to Conscious and Grow Park and, and it's an amazing venue uh, for big gigs. Um, it's probably the best in the country. Um, so in your view on, on that whole um, summer schedule and the balance between the games and maybe more concerts in September time or, or May time, what, what's, what's the update on that or, or is there an update on that? Yeah, and it's for us to try and get ourselves positioned within the master schedule because bands do not think of Ireland when they're touring. They think of the world tour. So we need to see what slot will work for us. You know, um, I think it was, was great for the Rolling Stones this year. That's the start of their world tour. So they could come, they could use Crow Park as a practice arena, and they did for two weeks. Mm. They got all of their, you know, their um, their playlist together, their, um, their act, as it were. Um, and then go on the world tour. So there's certainly opportunities there. So I'd be working very closely with the major promoters just to see what slots work best for us. I think we need to be very, very conscious that, I mean, Crow Park is there for matches, is there for games, and um, we don't want to encroach too much on it. But I think we have enough space on the on either side of the championship structure to, to deliver there. 
And finally, uh, Peter, we've seen in recent years a number of naming rights deals around uh, the country in various county grounds. I mean, Kingspan, Breffney Park springs to mind as one, but there have been uh, several others. Just wondering, um, do you ever see the day when uh, naming rights for Croke Park might be offered up to the market or indeed a, a venue like Parky Cueve? I think it's far more likely in Cork that the uh, naming rights will, will, will be there. And I think it does, it's a good opportunity. But um, Croke Park is iconic. Um, I mean, the... The original charter for the for the GA was effectively penned by Archbishop Croke, and to to change that or to add a a, a Paddy Power Croke Park or something like that just wouldn't sit comfortably with me at all. I, I so I think I am um, I wouldn't be in favour of putting naming rights for Croke Park out. I mean I think there's some things which are not for sale, and that is one of them. Can I just and, and it's kind of a, a, an extension of that is. Um, I suppose you are the commercial guy in, in the GA and it's a, a amateur-based, volunteer-based organisation. I suppose how acutely aware of you and me at Porrick Duffy on, on this show as well of the balance between trying to generate as much income as possible and all the things where that money goes um, with the GA having quite a low, I think under 5 million is the staff cost, which seems particularly low um, and been able to do that while maintaining all the other stuff that makes the GA great. Like How, how do you, and as an organisation, balance and, and, and keep that balance going? Well, it is. I mean, we knew, always need to be very, very conscious of the fact that the GA is run by volunteers and without that volunteer effort, it, it is not an organisation, not the one that we know anyway. Um, so most people will, will give of their time voluntarily. Um, I work Monday to Friday and I get a, a decent salary for that. But at weekends when I'm in Grove Park, that is as a volunteer. So when I'm there for matches and so on. That's, that's my contribution. Um, others train teams and do various other bits and pieces. That's that's that that's part of it. It is a great organisation for that, and it really does encourage the best in people. Um, but we do need money in order to deliver on our, our long term plans, long term objectives, and we do that on the basis of being, you know, very large in a small country. So, you know, we need to use every opportunity to to, to maximise our income, but do it in a way which is respectful of the values of the association. All right, Peter, uh, we're going to leave there. Thank you for joining us in the studio and we wish you well with your planning for next season. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Peter McKenna of the GA for joining us in studio. Declan Conlon produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Research was by Dan O'Neill of Teneo PSG. Don't forget that you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. And I'm Michael O'Keefe. Until next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>